when you're in a not-for-profit, the focus is primarily on making sure that you have the resources and that you're not overspending so that you can accomplish the mission, all while making sure that you're setting aside enough to continue the mission to the future and providing for advancement of the mission as your constituents grow. In the world of business finance, things change fast. Welcome to the Leaders of Modern Finance, a show where today's finance innovators discuss what the future holds. Learn from experts in the field as they explore emerging finance trends, insights, and more. This episode is brought to you by Stamply, the leading accounts payable automation platform. With Stamply, collaborate easily and efficiently with invoice approvers, vendors, and anyone involved with purchases. This helps you quickly resolve issues and questions, resulting in 5x faster approvals. Contact us to see why users love Stamply and schedule a demo at stamply.com. Thank you for joining us on the Leaders of Modern Finance. My name is Ken Boyd. I'm a four-time author, including the book, Cost Accounting for Dummies. I'm a business writer, a former CPA, and I'm the content marketing manager at Stamply. And joining us today is Barbie Jefferson, Chief Financial Officer at YMCA of Greenville. Barbie, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, we're excited to have you here. Could you tell us a bit about yourself, what you do, and your background? I'll start with where I am today. As you just mentioned, I am the Chief Financial Officer at the YMCA of Greenville. And the YMCA of Greenville is an association of YMCAs for Greenville County in South Carolina. We have nine locations. We're about a $20 million not-for-profit organization um, made up of those nine locations. And we have everything from family YMCA branches to community centers. We have a very prosperous and successful summer camp program, overnight summer camp. And also we have the youth and government program for the state of South Carolina within our YMCA. We're actually the largest YMCA association in South Carolina. If you're not that familiar with the YMCA of the USA, The different YMCA associations across the country are autonomous, but also affiliated and have very strong connections with YUSA, which is out of Chicago. That's a little bit about the organization that I'm with right now. I am a trained accountant. I went, I have my undergraduate Bachelor of Arts in accounting and I have my master's degree in accounting. I am a CPA. I started my career out as an auditor with KPMG, and I did that for about four years. And after that, I thought I wanted to go work for a for-profit organization, just based on the excitement level I saw in those organizations, as well as the compensation I was seeing that that their professionals were making. So when I first left public accounting for a little bit better work-life balance, I went and worked for a publicly traded restaurant company and quickly learned that truly wasn't the best fit for me. And an opportunity in higher education opened up to me. So after a couple of years with the restaurant company, I started out as basically the assistant controller for a small private college in the upstate of South Carolina. 
And within just a few years, through several promotions, I became the chief financial officer for the, the college. It's Walford College in South Carolina. Oh, sure. Okay. Um, the, the term chief financial officer or that title in higher education is very misleading because it's more of a chief business officer. Mm-hmm. Um, my role there, although I oversaw finance, I had a very strong CPA that reported to me that basically ran the accounting, did a lot of the, C- the typical CFO work, but I was also responsible for capital projects and basically the business services, such as the dining hall. I was responsible for human resources. I was responsible for facilities, every, even the campus post office. So it was a very widely encompassing position. And it was also very rewarding. And I was there when the college was at the very beginnings of a um, serious growth phase. And so a lot of great things were happening. I had a lot of great opportunities. But I also have had two young boys at home. And after six years of running that race and all that excitement, the uh, YMCA Greenville came knocking on my door okay. and asked if I might be interested, just out of curiosity, if I might be interested in making a change. And my boys were getting to school age and would need a lot more of my time after school, extracurricular type time. And I was also commuting from one one city in South Carolina to another for, for that higher education position because uh-huh. I am actually a Greenville resident. So I, I decided to give the YMCA Greenville a serious look and decided that would be a good fit. And so four years ago, I joined the YMCA Greenville. And the reasons for, for joining that were all related to the mission. It was definitely a scaling down and responsibility, but I was ready for that at that point in my career so I could have a better balance in being a CFO and a mom. You know, step back as far as no longer being a CFO because I liked being able to have that variety as well as the ability to influence an organization. Mm-hmm. But I saw the opportunity to go to, to come to the Y. And with a great mission, they do everything from, they're not just a swim and gym, they take care of children, they take care of families, and there's after school programs, the day camps, and they even have scholarship programs, just like her education, where we basically, we provide scholarships for memberships and for children's day camp and children's after school for swim lessons, just about anything you can think of. We provide scholarships for so that anyone who can't afford to to take advantage of our programs is still able to come. Uh-huh. So I saw that that parallel between higher education and the YMCA, and even furthering into helping children. So that was kind of what drew me in and helped me uh-huh. make the decision to make that change at that point in my life. So that's where I am today. Okay. Well, it's interesting. We had a another CFO on the show who was the who is the CFO of a college out west, and he said exactly the things that you said. Is that his role was so diversified, away from just being a CFO, away from the finances, that it was very challenging. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I was an auditor at KPMG back in the early '90s. So. Mm-hmm. 
I know that road. My wife was at the old Arthur Anderson. We were both in public accounting and audit in the early 90s. So that's interesting. If you could tell us a little bit about the workings of your finance department, the staff that you have, those kinds of issues. We are a non-location, basically YMCA, but we are centralized in our business function. And we're actually very small and very efficient. <laughs> you kind of have to be when you're a not-for-profit. But we have, so I'm over finance and I'm over human resources right now. And my finance team is three deep. And so is my human resources team. Uh, my direct reports are a controller and a director of human resources, but they both have two staff each that report to them. Okay. So they... We do a lot with a little. Sure. What do you report to your board and what do your board meetings look like? What's the structure of the agenda? Our board does have a finance committee. We have four standing committees for our board of directors and finance is one of the committees. Their primary focus is comparing budgeted results to actual results. So they focus mainly on the operating statement. Our operating folks report to the board the key numbers such as membership and program participation, which feed right into the financials. But the as far as the finance side of things, we, we primarily just focus on the operating statement and how well that's doing. We do have an ad hoc audit committee that meets once a year to accept and approve our financial statement audit. But, but those are the, the key things. Our, our board is very supportive, but also very hands-off unless they need to get involved. Mm-hmm. They were, the only time they've gotten very involved was during COVID and some of the sure. decisions that had to be made. We had to ask you know, them to get involved with you know, shutting down and whether or not to furlough employees and whether we had to pay employees and also, when we took out, took a chance and took those great PPP loans and mm-hmm. went after the tax credits, they had to approve all that. But they're supportive, but the hands off and our board meetings are a very positive, happy environment most of the time. Oh, that's great. It that's is. great. I have written, done some writing on those PPP loans when that was all going on and the complexity was... A lot of complexity and a lot of unknowns. I'm sure that was difficult. Yeah, there were a lot of, I felt like that was kind of flying by the seat of our pants for a while, taking chances and just hoping it worked out. And it did. Our wise actually much better place in, in terms of liquidity than we've ever been. Thanks to COVID, which is kind of bizarre. A lot of businesses uh-huh. went under in a lot worse shape, but we actually have built up our cash reserves thanks to all the COVID relief funds through the CARES Act and the Rescue Act. Okay. Do you do you have a particular type of software that's unique to nonprofits mm-hmm. that you use? Well, it's actually not unique to nonprofits. It's, like, it's unique to YMCAs. Oh, okay. And Jewish community centers also use the same software, but it's called DAXCO. And I think somewhere between 70 and 80% of the larger Ys are on the software. And it's a very robust operating software for all that Ys do, from membership to participants to all that. 
but it also has an engagement side which can be used for fundraising etc on the development side and it has account an accounting side that interfaces with the operating side so okay we we've been on that software since 2019 and it's very obvious that it was developed for YMCA's and what we do. So you were able to go through a conversion and get it installed before COVID started? Yes, we okay. barely had it up and running when COVID happened. Oh, wow. But we were still working through a lot of the hiccups when COVID happened. So we didn't have a lot of clarity about how things truly operate on that new system until probably 2021 because there was so much uncertainty and consistency during 2020. Okay. I'm in St. Louis and we have a, we have a very big presence in Jewish community centers. In fact, mm -hmm. I think the Jewish community center uh, that I'm thinking of is probably one of the largest work at exercise related facilities in St. Louis. It has mm -hmm. a huge presence. So mm -hmm. I know about Jewish community center. Being a CFO and a mom of two must come with some unique challenge. You sort of touched on it. Mm -hmm. Could you tell us about your journey as a financial leader and what led you to the point in your career? You've touched on that before, but maybe if there's more specifics, because you had a very a good job, and I'm sure it was hard to leave. Yeah, it was very hard. It was one of the hardest decisions and one that I've looked back on many times to say that I made that the right decision. But I, I think it's important, you only live one time, you're only a mom, one time if you are a mom, to find, if you can find a job that's fulfilling and lets you do what you enjoy doing while but having that work-life balance that allows you to be there for those in your, that need you outside of work, like your, whether it's your kids or your parents or whatever, I think that's a great thing. I know a lot of people don't have that opportunity to find that balance, but I've been fortunate that I've, I've found a role here that enables me to do both. I mean, it's stressful. <laughs> I'm trying to balance the two at times, but it's doable and manageable. So that's good. Yes. You've touched on this too, but I'm going to ask it because we had it in our notes. How has working at a mission-focused organization like the YMCA of Greenville impacted your purview as a CFO, being in a mission-driven environment? Yeah. So, you know, as a you know, for-profit organizations, it's all about generating revenue and providing a profit, shareholder return, et cetera. When you're in a not-for-profit, especially a human services organization, the focus is primarily on making sure that you have the resources and that you're not overspending so that you can accomplish the mission, all while making sure that you're setting aside enough to continue the mission to the future and providing for advancement of the mission as your constituents grow. So Greenville, South Carolina is a rapidly growing community. So that's one of the other things that we have to focus on is making sure that we're generating enough resources so that we can take the YMCA and Greenville to the next step so that we can keep up with the community as it grows and expands. Okay, yeah. Now, I've been to Charleston many times because I go to Seabrook and Keowile and outside of Charleston. How far is Greenville? I can kind of picture it on a map, but I can't quite picture it. So if you don't hit traffic, it's three hours. Okay. 
from the edge of Charleston. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So we're between, you know, you can get to the beach in three to four hours and the mountains in 30 minutes. So. Oh, so nice. Okay. There's a lot, of, there's a lot drawing people to this area. Well, I've driven that route and I've driven through Smoky Mountains. And then mm -hmm. I guess I go do go through Greenville and there's that major highway that goes sort of diagonally down across the state, if I remember right. So I, th I think I've driven through Greenville. Let's see. I'm going to talk about some other things I found. What I did was look at the website and look at the 990 from 2020. And I caught some things that I thought were interesting. Explain what the food bag program is, because that was something I wasn't familiar with. Yeah. So we were, our why was in an upward trajectory. We hit our all-time high in terms of membership and participation in February of 2020. And then all of a sudden oh. in March of 2020, we closed down and our leadership was kind of sitting around once we did close down our locations, twiddling our thumbs. And we actually got a, had a phone call from the local school district saying, we have children who are only getting fed through the school district. They get fed at school during the week and then they take home backpacks full of food on weekends, but we're shut down. Can you help? And we learned that we had a lot of children living in hotels, old hotels that basically they're temporarily displaced living with their families. And so the YMCA Greenville pulled together with a few other community partners and started a food bag program. And we prim primarily deliver these food bags to the hotels. Okay. We also do some food bags that we send, we take to specific uh, schools in the county for the kids to take home on weekends when the school has a shortfall or inability to send food home with those children on weekends. And that program just continues to grow. And it even grew in at Christmas time to a basically a Santa toy program where huh. the parents send an angel tree type program where the parents huh. will send in a list of wishes for the kids and our volunteers pull together all the things that the kids want and we deliver to them to those families so that's that's something that came out of COVID it, it did not exist before March 2020 but it kind of gave us something to keep our eyes on the ball and focus and create a new mission while we weren't able to do what our primary mission right. was. Wow. That's interesting. That's mm -hmm. really rewarding. I, every CFO I talk to, I always ask about what the media calls the great resignation and employee turnover. How has your employee retention been and, and what's going on in that area for you? So retention has been fairly good in terms of our full-time staff and leadership. We do have a lot of seasonal workers, of course, we with all of our summer programs. As I mentioned, we have day camp, we have the resident summer camp, we have a lot more swimming going on. So we hire a large portion of our staff, the younger folks, usually teenagers, high school and college students, and then those that have just school year-round jobs, we bring in the summertime. With COVID and the great resignation, we did see that it was harder 
to bring some of those folks in. We, that mm-hmm. was definitely a struggle to get staffing in the door. 21 was a little easier and we're seeing a little bit more of an uptick maybe for 22. We're still in the midst of trying to bring in workers last minute. The one thing that we have seen major change with is when we do have someone leave for reasons like maybe a spouse has to move for their position and they're not they're they don't they're not leaving because they're unhappy but they're when they do leave and we try to backfill that position we are competing with other organizations that can provide for remote work and that's very limited in the human services organization with the exception of my office which is you know 15 staff people the rest really need to be out in the, the branch locations, Lamsey branch locations. And so when we do go to hire for a position, they're always, oh, is, do I, is remote an option? And we have to say no. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we've lost a few very good applicants to that because other okay. businesses are offering that. Yeah, it's, it seems to be an ongoing thing. I remember I learned to swim at a YMCA. I, it doesn't, the building doesn't exist anymore where it was, but the location moved. And in St. Louis, we have a summer camp called Camp Wyman, where many kids in sixth grade do a week sleeping out at Camp Wyman, and high school kids are the counselors. Mm-hmm. And this, I think it's been now 50, 70 years. It continues to run. So uh, it's a really popular thing. So most people my age in St. Louis have had a lot of interaction with the Y. So I'm going to flip a page here and look at some other questions that I have. What's your, I know membership revenue is a pretty big revenue source. What with COVID, what was the churn or the turnover in your members? Has that maintained fairly steady? So our membership got down below 70% of of pre-COVID levels. Okay. We actually had a period of time in which when we closed down our membership, we were able to keep some members on their basically monthly drafts and say, hey, if you stick with us, you're going to basically, we're going to treat this as a con- contribution or a gift to the Y and you'll get a tax letter. Okay. A lot, yeah. So a lot of, and that was, that helped us out some. A lot of, I mean, a lot of folks weren't able and comfortable, you know, doing that. So we lost mm-hmm. a lot, but I, I think that's what kept our number from getting below 70%. Okay. Um, it's taken a good two years. We have the same number of members today that we actually have more members today than we did in February of 2020. It's just that our total revenue is not quite there because of the mix of categories because okay. we have family categories and we have full facility categories and all that, but we're getting there. We're definitely getting there. That's great. I think you survived that pretty well. We did. And it's all about location. Yeah. Yeah. Other, I mean, because we're in South Carolina and our government shutdowns are shorter. Our, so that, that helped a lot. You know, so. Okay. I noticed, oh gosh, I, I think the number was 24 million okay. in book value on land and building and those kinds of assets. Are you in the process of upgrading and replacing any facilities right now? 
Yeah, we're actually in a phase right now. So we're in a, a capital project for a major upgrade and expansion on one facility. And we're looking at two other of our larger branches to figure out, is there going to be an expansion? Is there going to be a relocation? So we're definitely in that. We're getting, we're so close. We're on the cusp of, we're going to grow and there's a lot going to happen in the near future, but we're kind of trying to get the, the plan in place and figure out what the first step is and pull it all together. Okay. And I noticed you do have a bond issue outstanding. I noticed some long-term debt. Do you think you would use bond financing for any of these projects? I know interest rates are going up somewhat. So I was curious as to what you thought about that. Yeah, there will be a mix of, it'll be a mix of fundraising and debt. What that, exactly what that mix will be is still part of what we're trying to figure out right now. We do some of that debt will be paid off in the next two years, which is which is great. Some of it will probably have to roll into another vehicle as we're expanding. But there there will definitely there will always be debt. Yeah, that's part of the deal, I guess. Yeah. And a, one more question on the finances. I noticed you did have about two point three million in an endowment. Are you able to use that endowment income for operations? Yeah, so basically the our foundation, our endowment is a separate organization and the branches, all of the nine branches basically submit applications each year, grant applications to the foundation for specific, whether it's a capital need or a new position, some, something, anything that's new and exciting they're trying to kick off. They basically go through an application, grant application process, and the foundation board basically decides which is the most worthy of granting an award for. And so they're available spending for that year goes to our association. Okay, got it. In the form of a grant, yes. Okay, got it. Well, I wanted to ask one more question that we do on all of our podcasts. If you had to give one piece of advice to a modern finance leader, what would that be? I would say do a great job with your hiring. <laughs> no one can do it alone. And working for a, a nonprofit with limited resources, I've had to rely so much on a very small team. So the key is making sure you hire the right people, make sure they have the right training, and try to help those people develop and grow so that they want to stay with you as long as you can or as long as they can. The key is just having that right team in place mm -hmm. so that you can be successful. Okay. I, I get that answer a lot, especially <laughs> in a post-COVID environment where hiring and managing has become so difficult. Well, Barbie, I want to thank you again for giving all this time and a great look into your organization. And I want to thank everybody for watching and listening to the Leaders of Modern Finance. So thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Leaders of Modern Finance podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review. You can see the show notes and all the resources mentioned in today's episode at stamply.com slash leaders of modern finance. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes. This episode is brought to you by Stamply the most powerful way to process and pay invoices.
Stamply is the only accounts payable automation software that centers communication on top of the invoice so that accounts payable collaborates better with approvers, vendors, and anyone involved in purchases to quickly resolve issues and questions, resulting in 5x faster approvals. Contact us to see why users love Stamply and schedule a demo at stamply.com.